Welcome to Brit David Podcast as we continue to celebrate the Christmas season with a message from Pastor Tim Jones, The Greatest Christmas Gift, from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. What is the greatest gift you have ever received at Christmas? Some might say it was that gift they had circled in the Sears catalog, but never thought they'd actually get. Some remember the homemade gifts their children tried to make for them. The mind of some will drift towards something very expensive. But no matter who you are, the greatest gift that has ever been given is the solution for the greatest need anyone has ever had. The greatest gift is Jesus. Here's Pastor Tim. You know the name D.L. Moody, yes? Great, um, great preacher whom God used to bring revival uh, really to two continents, and uh, just just an incredible example of a man who was a shoe salesman uh, that God used greatly. You know that name, but do you know the name Henry Morehouse? Henry Morehouse was a wild, uh, renegade, rough, <laughs> wicked-living teenager. By the age of 16, Henry Morehouse was a gang leader. He was a gambler. He was a thief and, uh, and well-known as such in Manchester, England, where he grew up. But during that revival through D.L. Moody, what became known as the Revival of 1859, Henry gave his heart to Jesus. And when he did, he was immediately transformed. They said that Henry Morehouse could be heard on street corners, in shelters, at churches, wherever he had a chance to preach, he was out preaching with invitation or without one. And his favorite text was John 3.16. One day, Dale Moody was visiting Ireland and preaching in Ireland, and Henry Morehouse had the privilege of going and meeting him. Talk about a man who is audacious. Henry Morehouse asked Dale Moody if Moody would allow him to preach at his church in Chicago. And so D.L. Moody said, if you get to Chicago, you can preach at Moody Church. And so sure enough, Henry Morehouse made his way to America, eventually made his way to Chicago, basically knocked on the door and said, hey, remember me. Uh, You said I can preach. Can I preach? And so D.L. Moody said, well, I'm going to be out of town for this next week. Why don't you preach Wednesday night? And so Henry Morehouse got to preach uh, at Moody Church on Wednesday night of that week. He preached on John 3.16. And uh, and it was incredible. The deacons that were there uh, asked uh, Henry Morehouse if he would come back and preach again the next night. Would he preach on Thursday night? And he said, of course. He preached on John 3.16. And, uh, and, and people were being saved constantly. So Friday night, will you come back and preach? Henry Morehouse preached at Moody Church on Friday night on John 3.16. You know, Moody comes back to town, begins to hear for himself uh, Morehouse preaching. And, 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 and this is a longer part of the story, but Dio Moody said that it changed his preaching. The way that he reached out to people and the way that he began to preach on on the fact of God loving us. But every night, 
Henry Morehouse preached on John 3.16, and the story goes through his biography that everywhere that he preached, he preached on John 3.16. On his deathbed, Henry Morehouse had fallen ill, and he said, he told his friends, if it were the Lord's will to raise me up again, I should like to preach from the text, God so loved the world. It's a good one, isn't it? I think it's the greatest verse in all the Bible. Some people say it's the gospel in a nutshell. It's the Bible in a nutshell, if you will. Last Sunday night, we talked about the greatest Christmas tree. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the greatest Christmas gift. Guess what verse we're turning to? (laughs) John 3.16. You may not have to turn there. Uh, You may already know it by heart. I encourage you to turn there. Sometimes we think that we're so familiar with things that we just don't look at it anymore. But I encourage you to look through there, make some notes in the margin of your Bible. But you might want to read it with me today. I bet you know it off the top of your head. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a simple verse, and yet it contains and announces the greatest of all Christmas gifts. If you want to follow along with me in notes, you certainly can. I want you to know that the greatest gift is Christ. It is, isn't it? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave, there is a gift involved, isn't there? That he gave what? He gave his only begotten son. That doesn't mean that that Jesus is the Son of God like I'm the Son of Odell. You know, as if he simply passes along his DNA, so to speak, to his prodigy. It's not that kind of birth and it's not that kind of sonship, is it? It's not really even so much that he is the Son of God. It's more important to be able to understand that he is God the Son. That he shares the very nature of God the Father. He is God. John will write in the very beginning of this, uh, of this incredible gospel. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And people will look at that verse and they'll go, well, I don't really understand what he's talking about. You know, I mean, I understand what words are, you know, these, these, uh, the, these mixture of letters that, that we use to communicate. Well, you can tell that he's not talking about words in that passage as we would express words. But he's talking about the word. Because the very next verse, verse number two, begins with this word. Begins with the word he. He. When he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God, he's not talking about a thing. He's talking about a person. He's talking about a he. So who is the he? Well, if you go all the way down to verse number 14, you find out that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He's talking about Jesus, isn't he? So we turn then to John chapter 3 and verse number 16, and we find that God gave his only begotten Son. We know that he's talking about Jesus, but we also know then that he's talking about the second person of the Godhead. He's talking about God himself, that he gives himself. That's really the greatest gift, isn't it? I mean, the greatest gift that you could give to anybody is not something that you can buy with dollars and cents. It's not something that's homemade. The greatest gift that you can give to somebody else at any time of the year is yourself. 
to give them a part of yourself, to give them of your action, to give them of your service, to give them out of what you have, to give them you. And that's what we see God doing. The greatest gift is Christ because the greatest gift is God. He gives his only begotten son, he gives himself. Now, this greatest gift is like other gifts. They come with reasoning behind them. You know, why, do you, why do you give people gifts at Christmas? Eh, sometimes we give out of obligation. Sometimes we give because we drew that particular name out of a hat. But primarily, we give gifts because we love one another. We give a gift because we love the person to whom we're trying to give this gift. And so I want you to see tonight that the greatest gift is a product of the greatest cause. It's a product of the greatest cause, and the greatest cause is love. The, the Bible says, Paul writes, he says, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest of the causes. I want you to consider with me tonight the height of God's love. True love is heavenly in nature. It's not, it's not earthly made. It's not created here. It is created in the very nature of God. The Bible says God is Love. He is love. It's not just that he offers love. It's not just that he demonstrates love. He himself is love. And so we're talking about something that goes to the very heights of heaven. As high as heaven is, is the love of God as lofty and as wonderful and as beautiful as that. No one has ever known the height of love without knowing the love of Christ. There's no way that you in and of yourself or anybody can love another person unless you really fully understand the love of God in you. The Bible says the whole what manner of love that God has lavished or that he has bestowed upon us so that we become then a channel of his love whereby we disperse his love then out to others. If all I have is the love that I have in my heart that I can share with somebody else, well, it's fickle. My, my love is fickle. My, my love is temperamental. I mean, some days you feel like loving somebody and some day you don't. God's not like that. The height of his love is as high as it gets. But I don't want you just to consider the height of God's love. I want you to consider the depth of God's love. Love comes from the depth of God's own heart. It's not like our love, which loves on the surface. And we use love to describe everything from ice cream to baseball to teams to one another to different activities. God's love is unmerited love. God's love is unearned love. It's unconditional love. It's love that's based on who he is. To know the true depth of God's love is sadly discovered when I test it. When I test God's love by my sinfulness, by my rejection of Him, by my continual wandering away from Him, when I come back to myself, when I come back to him and come back to a knowledge of the truth of who he is, I'm reminded that God's love is so deep that it covers even the depth of where I find myself. 
the depth of the love of God takes Jesus from heaven all the way down to earth. Not just, not just that he puts on human flesh, but he does so in great humility. Not being born in a palace, not being born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but being born in abject poverty, being born as low as a person in that station of life could be born. A, a, a moniker being held over his head by his enemies for years and for years. You see it erupt in John chapter number 8. The, the greatest argument that Jesus has with the Pharisees is found in John chapter 8. And it's almost the entire chapter. It's an argument back and forth between Jesus and those Pharisees. The Pharisees had made a statement, or Jesus had made a statement, if you, know the, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. He's talking about himself, right? To which they said, <laughs> boy, how quickly we forget history, isn't it? We're the children of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Um, <laughs> let me go back to several times you've been in bondage. But Jesus said, you're in bondage to your own sin. You're enslaved right now. And unless you know the Son, you're going to die in that sin. And they're so offended by what Jesus has to say to them. And they begin to say things like, uh, you know, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says to them, listen, if Abraham were your father, then you would love the things that I'm doing. He'll say later on, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. You're not the... You're not the true sons of Abraham. They would say, well, well, God is our father. Jesus would say to them, well, you're not acting very godly. You're not acting like the children of God. Instead, he said, you're acting like your father, the devil, who every time he speaks, he speaks a lie because he can't help himself. It's just who he is. He is the father of lies. That's who you're acting like. Throughout that entire passage, Jesus shows the great depth of his love and they get so petty. They finally turn to Jesus and say, we weren't born in fornication like you are. There's a curse word that goes with that that I'm sure that they used to simply describe who Jesus was. They knew. They knew what the story was. They knew the Christmas story that was going around. And yet they would say, there's no way that that's possible. There's no way that God can love the world so much that he could send his only son. You're the product of sinfulness. And we discovered that he is the product of great love and great passion. The height of God's love is great. The depth of God's love is great. Consider the width of his love. God's love is so wide that it encompasses both shepherds and then the wisest of men. The people who are so low on their system that there are very few people that are underneath them. Prostitutes were underneath shepherds. 
But Jesus reached out to them. Those who were lepers were underneath even the shepherds and the prostitutes. And Jesus reached out and touched them. But it's not just them on that end of the scale. We call them wise men. The Bible refers to them as the word magi. Sometimes we, we say, you know, the, the three kings, we, we, we call them kings, we call them wise men, we call them prophets, we call them astronomers, we call them all sorts of things. There's so many names that go with them because they were capable of so much. From the totally incapable to the overqualified, Jesus' love reaches everybody. His love gives everybody a chance to have a relationship with him. And if you want to talk about the width, you can't hardly talk about width without doing it like this. It just simply shows you the cross. Through the cross, his spirit woos us to himself, shows us and demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. The height of God's love is great. The depth of God's love is great. The width of God's love is great. The length of God's love is great. It was great then. It's great now. And it's going to be great for forever. There's not going to be a stopping to it. It continues on and on and on. His love is so great that it cannot be measured so great that it can't be quantified. So great that we, try to, uh, that, that we try to qualify it, and yet we run out of words to try to describe him. John 3.16 reminds me that the forgiveness and the grace of God is based on his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The greatest gift is Christ. The greatest gift, which is Christ, is a product of the greatest cause, and that greatest cause is love. Number three, the greatest gift bore the greatest cost. Oftentimes we measure the value of a gift by the price tag that it's on at the store. The store does not have the ability really, to be able to designate the worth of a gift. When you go to a store, no matter what the price tag says, if it is the gift, you know, it is the one thing that your kid's looking for, the price tag doesn't tell the story. The worth is found in the love that you have for that child and then to what sacrifice you will make to make that possible. So what sacrifice does Jesus make? What sacrifice does God make to send us this greatest gift? Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 
West, Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.